Well, good morning. Good to be with you. It really is. And just a little bit of update of the wilds. Uh, I remember years ago, I think we started renting camps throughout New England, 2006 and seven. And I also remember being told it'll never work. It's impossible. And here we are almost 15 years later, over 25,000 kids have come through. Many of your kids and who have worked there and on. What a joy. What a joy. Uh, it is. Last summer, we actually had the biggest summer we've ever had, over 1,440 kids, zero COVID, okay? Zero. And that was a miracle of God. It really was. So I want you to come tonight. I really do. What are we going to do tonight? This is for everybody, okay? Uh, even those of you who have had way too many birthdays, okay? I want you to come. It's just a taste of the wilds. And we're going to do some skits. It's very relaxed, very informal. We're going to do some skits. We're going to show a presentation uh, of uh, what God has been doing at the camp, short message. And there's ice cream at the end. You should come even if you're just coming for the ice cream, okay? And by the way, I think ice cream is important in our culture today. Why? Because they say when you get COVID, you lose your taste, yeah? So I invented a brand new testing. I test myself for COVID every night. I eat a big bowl of fudge brownie ice cream. If I can taste it, I don't have COVID, okay? It works. So it is seriously a, a joy uh, just, just to be up here in New England. Isn't it great to live in New Hampshire? Isn't it a wonderful state? It really is. And uh, so, and especially this time of year, when the frosties just seem to take over our highways, it's just a wonderful time. Uh, how many of you are parents? Let me see your hands. Where's the grandparents? Grandparents? Which one of you grandparents had the best looking and most intelligent grandkids? Okay. If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you're a teen, if you're college, don't you want those that you love to be in the Word of God? Seriously. I do. I feel sorry for teens today and kids. This is an incredible, yucky world to grow up in. Every time you turn around, okay, there's something going on to try to pull their hearts away from God. And, and the only motivation that really sticks in the heart of a young person to make them so that they want to keep living for God is their personal relationship with God. And knowing Jesus Christ as their Savior and getting to know the Lord. And that only comes from spending time with him. So we have something here we call daily meditations. It costs nothing, okay? You just go to ranhummel.com and hit subscribe. I encourage you grandparents to send it to your grandkids. Say, hey, I want you to listen to this. Some families, what they do is they listen to this for their family devotions in the morning while they're eating breakfast. Uh, you can read it or you can listen to it like a podcast. It's just Bible study. It's not issue-oriented. It's just walking. Right now, we're in the second part of Ephesians. Normally, I do a book in 30 days. Ephesians is just way too cool to do in 30 days, okay? So I did chapters 1, 2, and 3 in Christ. And what a joy it is to know that you're saved, your sins are forgiven. And then chapters 4, 5, and 6, what it means to be like Christ. And we just started that a couple days ago. So I really encourage you uh, just to go to that website and uh, hit, hit once again subscribe because we want to be a part, okay? And you guys have been a blessing to the wilds for, for many years, and uh, it's just a privilege. It is a real privilege to be here with you, okay? I'm here for the kids. I really am. In fact, I have to admit, I get a little bit nervous, and I get in front of all you old people, okay? I just have to remind myself that you old people are nothing more than teenagers with wrinkles, okay? And then I'm all right. Which, by the way, Pastor, I was just reading in Ephesians, and I'm thinking, okay, when we get to heaven, are we going to be old or young? We really don't know. 
But the Bible does say that he wipes, or he's taken away all wrinkles. Right? We're going to be wrinkle-free. So we, either we're going to be old without wrinkles or we're going to all be young. I don't know. That's not even part of the message, okay? Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Say it with me. Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Say it again. Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Turn to the person next to you and whisper to them. Go. Be therefore followers of God as dear children. Nine words. You can say it in six seconds. Your teenagers can text it in four seconds. Nine words that totally can change our lives. Be. Be is an action word. Be something. Be being. Don't be satisfied not to be. As a Christian, be praying, be giving, be serving, be witnessing, be faithful. Be. Be everything that God wants you to be. If you're a be, an active Christian, you guys don't even know how to spell apathy. I get asked a lot, how do you deal with apathetic teens? I said, I've never met one. They're very passionate about not caring, okay? B, what is it that God has already gifted you and given you a desire in your heart? That desire he gives you and that giftedness, you know what they call that? They call it the will of God. And therefore, do the will of God every day with the giftedness and the gifts, the personality that God has given you. B, say the first two words with me, ready? Be ye. Now, as you know, ye is a plural form of you. Uh, I will say this. I've had the privilege of being with the Wilds for over, what is it, like 44 years or so. And I did live 30 years in North Carolina. And then we moved up here in 2009 and been up here. And so living in North Carolina for 30 years and up here for about 14, I am now bilingual, which is really nice. It is. I, seriously, I go to Bahaba, y'all. Okay, so I know both languages. Now, Ye, or the plural form of you in the South, is all y'all. Say it with me. All y'all. All y'all doing right, son? That means good morning. How are you? Okay. When God asked Paul to write this down, he on purpose put a plural. Because, folks, there is not one of us in this room right now that could even begin to say that this verse does not have anything to do with me. Paul said, every single one of you God has something for you to do. Be ye, say the next word, therefore. Now you know your pastors have taught you whenever you see a therefore, you always have to look back to see what it is there for. And Ephesians chapter one, two, and three, and even four, it's almost like a treasure chest, unless you're a real little kid, and it's like a toy box. You start digging around and looking, you find a truth, and you spend time with that, then you find another truth, like Ephesians 1, where it says the forgiveness of sins. Are you glad that your sins are forgiven this morning? Isn't it great to have a God that literally will lift our sin from us? Because God's a holy God in a holy heaven. And I'm a sinner. And we've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. If my sin is not separated from me, then I've got to be separated from God. And God made a way when he sent Jesus that we can be reconciled, we can be right with God. What a privilege. Or that passage in Ephesians 2 where we're saved by simple grace. None of us can earn God's favor. We're not good enough. How many times do you have to lie to be a liar? How many? How many times do you have to sin to be a sinner? Yeah. And he's there to forgive us. The grace of God that gives us his undeserved forgiveness and salvation. 
Chapter 3, talking about being empowered with his might, and God will give you the divine enablement, his grace to do what is right. These are wonderful things. And basically, Paul's saying here, now that you know that you're a Christian, now that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary when he died for us, was buried, and rose again, now that you believe the true gospel, I have something for every single one of you to do. And here it is. I want you to be a follower. Now, the Greek word is mimitis. It means to mimic to imitate. You could say, be therefore imitators of God. And as we all know, there are good imitations and there's bad imitations. Um, I've been told that the only soft drink that we're going to drink in heaven is Dr. Pepper. I don't know if that's true or not. My wife says it tastes like carbonated prune juice. But anyway, you got this Dr. Pepper. And then there's, what do you call it, Mr. Pibb? He's not even a doctor yet, okay? I mean, so there's good imitations, bad imitations. But if you want to be a really, really good imitator, you have to study what you're imitating in depth. You got to really study. You got to really know it. And here, God asked Paul to encourage us to be imitators of himself, to be imitators of God. So the only way to truly imitate God is to know him well. So I'm sitting on a plane in Manchester, waiting probably to fly to Detroit to go to another meeting somewhere. I remember sitting there and sitting there, and I was working on some projects. And finally, I asked the flight attendant, hey, are we going to leave soon? I'm going to miss my connection. And she said, well, we have an issue. I said, what's that? She said, we have a runaway. I said, what do you mean a runaway? She said, a 15-year-old girl ran away from home, and the police caught her here in New Hampshire, and they're going to bring her on the plane. And then when you get to Detroit, you're going to have to wait, and they're going to come on the plane and get her and take her off. Now, it wasn't a real big plane. There was two empty seats in front of me and one right next to me. So I moved over next to the window. I said, Lord, have her sit by me. This girl walks in. I'm talking about attitude. And she looked at the first seat. Next one looked at me. She plopped right down next to me. I said, hey, how you doing? Whatever. I said, okay, okay. <laughs> she had an attitude. So then I, I kind of pretended that I was ignoring her. And I already had my yellow tab out, and I was working on some stuff for staff training. And, and what I did is I, I, I was drawing a tree. I can't draw at all, okay? This is computer. But So I, I was drawing this tree and putting all the little apples on it. And she's like sitting there looking at me like this guy is like really weird sitting here drawing a tree. And then very slowly, very methodically, I just started putting some call outs like hurt and unloved and lonely, fearful and unforgivable, depressed. Guilty, angry, bitter, hopeless, suicidal. Just, just one at a time. Then I'd think a little bit and put another one. Then some of the kids that I deal with. And finally, after the longest time, this girl looks over and she goes, what's that? I said, it's a tree. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> she goes, no, really, what is it? I said, I'm serious. It's a tree. I know I can't draw and then I asked her this. I said, what does it look like to you? She said, it looks like me. So as I camp, we didn't even camp in session. I get this call. Some parents are freaking out. Their daughter's out of control and rebellion. But she loved camp, loved me. And she said, and maybe she'll talk to Rand. And so they threw her in the car and they brought her over. And by the time I got to my office, mom was there. I said, where's your daughter? She said, she won't talk to you. She said, she's locked herself in the car. 
I said, well, do you have the keys? She goes, oh, I didn't think of that. So she gave me the keys. And I went down, hit the little button, sat down behind the steering wheel. And by this time, I had everything you see on, this, on my laptop. And I said, hey, I want to show you something I've been working on. I said, what do you think that looks like? She said the same exact thing the other girl said. She said, it looks like me. And then another kid came to camp. She was 17. She had already tried to commit suicide three times. The third time, she ended up in a hospital, and some kids in that area went to the hospital, met her, invited her to youth group, invited her to the church, and she came, and she got saved and trusted Christ. I'm telling you, teens, you got to invite your, church, your friends to church, to youth group, okay? They're going to hear the gospel, and they're going to get saved. And because of the suicide attempts, obviously, they wanted me to counsel with her, and when I showed this to her, she said the same thing. She said, Rand, it looks, looks like me. Now, the sad thing about this is I, I'm preaching to many of you have been saved like, I don't know, 20, 25, 30, 35 years? You've been doing this Christian thing like forever? And still, we can sit in here this morning and you can look up at the screen and say, but Rand, ah, it looks like me. Because I do, I, I often feel unloved. I'm, I am fearful. I struggle with my bitterness. I'm not suicidal. But honestly, I feel hopeless at times. Why? Why would this fruit be in our lives? I mean, as Christians, as believers, knowing everything that God has done for us, why would we continue to live our lives with this. Where does this come from? If this is the fruit of your life, if you examine your own heart and you say, but this is me, this is how I feel most of the time, then I already know a lot about your theology. In other words, I already know some of the things that you believe about God. Things like this. God doesn't love me. Oh, I know he loves the good people that do everything just right. But why would he love me? I don't love me. Or you all believe that God would never forgive me and that you're all alone. You're thinking, Rand, if, if anybody knew what was really in my life, there's no way. Actually believing that there's absolutely no reason to live. God doesn't care. Or I just want to die and I'm sure God's too busy to mess with me. God is a thousand miles away. Why do we believe these things? Now, sadly, I, I lived in this world for way too long, okay? I was raised in probably one of the most angry homes that I've ever even counseled or can imagine. Uh, the screaming, the cursing, the abuse, it was just terrible, Okay? I was one of those kids, I'd go to bed at night and put the pillow over my head and hold it real tight so I didn't hear mom screaming when dad beat her. Um, finally, mom left us. And then I was raised by my grandparents. And, and my granddad, he was my buddy. He was my best friend. And he was a great guy until he started drinking. He's a heavy drinker. And I, 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 seriously, we were pals. And how many times he would sneak me into the bar and, and, and we would go to leave. I was like 9, 10, 11, 12 years of age. And on the way, he literally put me on his lap, and I'd drive us home because 
I was too short to reach the pedals, but he was too, too drunk to see the road. Now, my grandma, on the other hand, she was just wonderful. She was so sweet, Polish lady. She was about 4'11", both ways, okay? And she's just a wonderful lady. Um, fought my way through teenage years. And when I say fought my way through, I mean that, okay? Because I was an angry kid. That's the only way I ever learned how to handle life. Be mad. Got in fights all through high school. I hate to even tell you this. I got 75 demerits for beating up two guys at Bob Jones University. Okay, I was a mess. I still am a mess, but I was a worse mess back then, I promise. So I had my life all figured out. I took four years of Spanish. I was a plumber getting through school. That's how I got through college. That's what I was going to do with my life. I was going to go to South America, be a missionary, help a missionary, just go as a plumber. I play guitar and a trumpet. I was going to help them with their music. And then I could be 6,000 miles away from home and never, ever have to see any of them again. I didn't know how to fix the problem. I just wanted to run from it, kind of, kind of like some of you are doing. We were finishing up college, didn't know what we were going to do. Amber and I got married. No doors were opening for the mission field. And then we got asked, why don't you go and work at the wilds? They would never take me, ever. I can't be like those people. But they had an opportunity to learn camping and work maintenance. I said, I can do that. So we went, and I was a hard worker. They asked us to stay a second year, then a third. And uh, our son, Josh, was born. Then, then we had a little boy that died at birth. He's buried in a cemetery not far from the wilds of North Carolina. And then, um, then we were expecting our third. And I remember when Amber came back from the doctor, she was crying. I said, what's wrong? She said, we're going to lose this one too. And I did. I lost it. I just, oh, I got so angry with God. And I do. I remember walking up that road saying, come on, God. I'm giving my life to you. I'm working more hours than I can even hardly do. Why are you so angry with me? And when I got home, I plopped in the chair. I said, God's mad about something. And Amber said, no, he's not. He doesn't care. And then she said this, he's a thousand miles away. And all of a sudden it hit me. Now, why would Amber say that? Some teenager had her and she was put in foster care. Then she was adopted out. But even as she was adopted out, when she was only seven, her daddy died and her mom never got married again. Amber, my wife, she grew up without a dad. And my dad was one of the most angry men that I've ever known. Do you know where your kids get their concept of God? I'm not being mean here, okay? They get it from you, Dad. And for some of you, this is wonderful. And for some of you, it's not. Because somehow we do. We look at our heavenly father and compare it to our earthly father. That's why it is so important. You men, walk with God. I get asked all the time, what's the best thing I can do for my kids? Get up in the morning and spend time in the word of God before you ever go off to work. It's huge. It gives security to your wife. It gives comfort to your kids. Just knowing that the husband or daddy is in the word of God. Yeah. And what I'm trying to say, an improper and a wrong view of God, it does, it produces bad fruit. 
And so you know what we try to do in life? We try to become some kind of behaviorist and we try to fix the fruit. Try to polish up the apples that are rotten inside. We do. We try, we try to just change the way we behave without going to the root of the problem. The root of the problem is that we don't know God very well and how forgiving and how loving and how patient he really, really is. Okay? So I was challenged. I thought, I told Amber, I, we don't know God. I'm not saying we weren't Christians. And we knew a lot about God, but we didn't know him personally. So I took my Bible and I thought, okay, David was a man after God's own heart. Now, he had his issues, he had his problems like I do, but he did try to get to know God. So I did. I went into the book of Psalms and just took a blank notebook and I wrote down, God is my blank or my God is blank. That's it. And I just started taking a verse or two at a time. And I, I, I struggled very much academically, and it did. It took me 18 months to get through the book of Psalms. Now, I've got to tell you, I was a mess. My anger, I thought if they knew who I really was here at camp, they'd get rid of me. Amber might leave me. I had so many fears, the anger. and So I was broken. And I got up extra early, and I did. I spent from 5.30 to 7.30 every morning for 18 months going through the book of Psalms. I'm telling you, folks, it changed my life. My God is strong. My God is holy. My God is patient. Whoa, with me? God is my shepherd. God is my strength. Oh. I'm telling you, it started to change my life. And after about six months, even Amber said, man, you're different. When you're raised in a tough home, some of you understand this. You don't express your emotions, do you? You you don't cry, you don't laugh, you just kind of live. And now, I mean, come on, I get choked up at supermarket openings now. I mean, my whole life has changed. And what I'm trying to explain here Just like a wrong and improper view of God produces bad fruit, don't fix the fruit. Go back to the roots of what your knowledge is of God. I want you to know that that's not the only tree I showed those kids and many others since then. I also showed them this tree, loving, happy, and unselfish, joyful and content and secure, peaceful, kind, self-controlled, patient, respectful. And when I showed those three girls this they all said the same thing. They said, oh, Rand, that's, that's what I want to be. Mom, could you imagine your daughter going off to college and sitting around with roommates or those in her hall and they get talking about moms and your daughter would say, oh, you ought to meet my mom. She has got to be the most loving, unselfish, joyful person I know. Or maybe even dad, your son, Get with the guys at work, and they start talking about dad. Say, oh, you ought to meet my dad. He is the kindest, most patient man I've ever met. Where does this come from? Again, this fruit will come from what you believe about God. And as you strengthen what you believe about God, you find out that your motivation to love God and be more like God, an imitator of God, your life begins to change. You really believe that God loves me. How many of you believe God loves you? Let me see your hands, okay? 
Now, I used to know that God was a God of love, but he only loved your good pe- you good people go to church all the time, okay? Come on, we've been singing it since we were like three. Sing with me. Jesus loves me, this I know for the... See, you know this. You know also that God promises to forgive. If we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful. That means when you ask God to forgive you, you know what he does? He forgives. Now, don't raise your hand. Have you ever asked God to forgive you for something like a thousand times? Do we need to? If we confess, homologate will say the same thing about our sin that God does agree with God. He forgives. You see, but Rand, I don't feel forgiven. And when I think about the consequences, and here's what you do. You ask God to forgive you and believe it. He will. Then you thank him for having forgiven you 999 times. I'm telling you, it works. Do you really believe that God is always there for me? When he says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Do you really believe that you have a purpose in life and God has gifted you, that God cares? Cast all your care at him. Why? He cares for you. He'll help me. God's in control of my life. God wants the best for my life. Do you believe this? Because if you do, you're not going to struggle with bitterness and anger and depression. You're not going to feel alone. No, 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 no. Because you know you have a wonderful, wonderful God right there with you. A right and proper view of God, it does. It produces good fruit. So what I'm saying is, don't go through life trying to fix all the fruit. Spend your life increasing in your knowledge of God. That's it. It's all through Scripture. I think what Peter writes, I think it's 2 Peter verses 1 and 2 right at the beginning. Your pastor told me that he felt that you guys were probably one of the most intelligent congregations in all of New New Hampshire. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what he told me. So I'm going to give you a test. Ready? Two plus two. 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 Good. You guys are pretty smart, Pastor. They are. All right. I'm going to challenge you a little bit. Let's go to multiplication. Two times two. 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 Let's get a little quiet in here. We're at 256. Times two. Five times two. Times two. 2,048. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. How? So my question is, the grace of God, that divine enablement, that unmerited favor that God promises to give you, peace, knowing that everything is right between you and God and others, do you want 20 handfuls of grace and 20 handfuls of peace? Or do you want 2,048? Grace and peace be multiplied unto you, ready? Through the knowledge of your God and your Lord Jesus Christ. You spend your life getting to know God. Oh, what did Jeremiah tell us? Let not the rich man glory or boast in his riches. doesn't matter how much money you accumulate through life. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom and how many degrees and how smart and intelligent. Let not the mighty man glory in his might, physically fit and how well you're doing. No, no, no. He says that's not what we have to brag about in this life because this life is over so quickly. But let him the glory of, let him the boast, boast in this. Ready? 
that he understands me and knows that I am the Lord. Wow. The greatest thing, again, you can do, mom and dad, for your kids is get up every morning and pursue your knowledge of God. Spending time with God is contagious. Most homes where dad is really consistent every morning in the word of God, so are the kids. But they need an example to follow, don't they? A right and proper view of God produces good fruit. Be ye therefore imitators, followers of God. Say the last three words together with me. Ready? As dear children. Literally, it means as dearly loved children, okay? Kids are cool. My whole life is kids and teens. Uh, They say, do you have a favorite age? Not really. I think junior high boys are kind of cool, seventh and eighth grade. I call them pre-people, you know? They're just kind of out there. Uh, But honestly, it's second graders. I mean, at second grade, I think you're at the height of your intelligence, and that's downhill from that point on. I mentioned that one time, and a teacher sent me some notes that uh, second graders wrote to God. Dear God, I didn't think orange went well with purple until I saw the sunset you made on Tuesday. That was cool. Dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not have killed each other if they had their own rooms. That's what my mom did for me and my brother. Dear God, if you watch me in church on Sunday, I'll show you my new shoes. Dear God, I bet it's really hard to love everybody in the whole world. There's only four people in our family, and I'm having a hard time loving all of them. Dear God, I went to this wedding, and they kissed right into church. Is that okay? Dear God, of all the people who work for you, I like Noah and David the best. Dear God, I think about you sometimes, even when I'm not praying. Dear God, thank you for my baby brother. But I think you got confused because what I prayed for was a puppy. (laughs) Now, why can little kids write notes like this to God? You know why? Because to them, God is real. And they haven't believed the lies of Satan. And he is everything that his precious word says he is. You see, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe what? That he is. He is everything his word says. He is loving and kind and faithful and holy and just. And he's a rewarder of them that what? Make a lot of money. Are real smart. He's rewarded them that work really hard. No. He's rewarded them that diligently seek him. Wow. Be ye, therefore, imitators, followers of God, as dearly loved children. These are nine words that literally can change our lives. Let's bow our heads in prayer, please. I'm going to give an invitation, and I want the invitation to last about six months. I'm serious. How how do you handle? This is not just another Sunday morning, a mission update. No, no, no. Your kids need to know how wonderful your God really is, but they'll never understand this unless they have you, mom and dad, and grandparents as an example to help them learn that he is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful God who really cares. Even when hard things and bad things happen, he still cares. And my challenge for you would simply be, maybe you should grab your Bible and a blank notebook and go to Psalms. 
God is my or my God is. Some of you have wrestled with the same depression, fears, loneliness, heartache for half of your life, maybe more. You've got counseling, you've done this, you, you try to be busy. I'm telling you, if you dig into his word and just get to know your God and you find out that he really, really, really does care and he'll never leave you or forsake you and he hates sin more than you hate sin and he loves us. He loves us. Even though we're a mess, he still loves us. And the more you get to know your God, oh, the security, the stability in your life, it's an amazing thing. So I am. I'm going to pray for you. And even in a minute, I think we're going to be singing, you know, his mercy is more. And it is. Oh, what a wonderful ending to this morning. Could you commit in your heart that you're going to at least take the next, I don't know, two months and try to find out something about your God every day. Could you do that? I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands. This is between you and God, okay? There's all kinds of Bible helps for your kids and grandkids and even for you on the back table. There's four books that are just filled with scripture on how to deal with anger and how to deal with fear and stress and evil thoughts. And, and I'd love to see a victory over them, but... Even for them, you have to be motivated by knowing that you have a wonderful, loving God first. You get to know your God, and then you watch your maturity begin to grow in him. So I'm going to pray, and then pastor's going to come. Father, thank you. Your word is so simple. And you tell us what to do and how to do it. I'm sorry, Lord, so many times we just get like either too busy or too selfish to do it. So I pray that you would take the quietness and the conviction that's in our hearts even today. And would you please help us to act on this? I pray that, that many, many here this morning would take the next couple of weeks or months and just grow in their knowledge of you. And learn how wonderful you really are. How full of wonder. And how patient. And how you're leak and, or, or meek and lowly and still love us even though we're such a mess. Thank you, Father. Thank you for what you've done in our lives this morning. And Lord, you know my heart. And I'm here in New England for the teens. Would you give them some, some good godly examples in their moms and dads and grandparents? who they can see a reality of what it means to know you and to love you and to walk with you. Do this, please, Father. But we do. We thank you for your precious word and the encouragement it is to us. Your heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Pastor? Father, we thank you that you have made life simple. It's a simple gospel. It doesn't take rocket science to, to come to know who you are. And we're so thankful that um, we can bring the simplicity into the lives of others as they're so caught up into the chaos of life. Lord, thank you for the challenge this morning and for the reminder that if we will just draw 
closer to you, you draw closer to us, Lord. As we, as we engage in your word, we learn more and more about you. That's why we have stated that doctrinal depth means that a passion for God pulls people deeper into your word. And so, Lord, it's, a, it's one of those things where it's like, well, if we have a passion for God, we'll, we'll love his word more. But the only way we're going to love uh, you more is if, is if we are in your word to love you. It's, it goes both ways. We cannot make mature disciples without a knowledge of your word, a lived-out, experiential, life-changing, gospel-motivated experience with you. Father, I pray that you would work in the hearts and minds of each of the people uh, here in this room and joining us online for an understanding that if they will simply allow uh, themselves to engage in, a, in your word, just simply reading it, that their life will change for the better. Lord, I pray that you would bring peace to those who need peace. I pray that you'd bring patience to those who need patience. Father, we, we know that all of the answers to our many questions and all, all our frustrations is simply found in, in a relationship with you. Father, for those of us that have been Christians for decades, uh, Lord, it's so easy for us to forget the simplicity and, and just get comfortable. Lord, I pray that you draw us back to yourself in a new, fresh, vibrant relationship. For those, Father, that do not know what it means to be in a relationship with you, we pray, Lord, that you would use this body of believers to speak the truth of the gospel into the lives of those that you bring into our lives. May they see the simplicity of the gospel lived out in our life, and may they hear the simplicity of of the gospel come off our lips as we give testimony to our weakness and to your strength, as we give testimony Uh, to our changed life because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified as your people uh, leave this building and as they go into their uh, various aspects of life, Lord, that they would take the gospel with them and that we would see you glorified. But Father, foremost, we just pray that we would be children who are, as Rand has reminded us, dearly loved, but also, Lord, that we would be those children that want to brag on our Father. And so, Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.